More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour, Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Let's talk a bit of debate prep, shall we? Tonight, the GOP debate is going to happen. We discuss the four candidates, Christy, Ramaswamy, Haley, and DeSantis will be on that stage. And we will get into, I think, how they will try to make some... Headlines for themselves, try to pull ahead a little bit maybe in the polls. Iowa, less than two months away. It is all coming together here, folks. We're about to enter the height of the election season. But I will say that you had uh, last night Donald Trump sitting down with Sean Hannity at a town hall. Trump very much looking in his element uh, and looking ready for the fight ahead. Then you got this problem tonight, Clay. And Jimmy Fallon, I think, addressed this with a joke pretty well. Here he is talking about this fourth Republican debate, and I think there's a bit of a sentiment that, well, I'll let I'll let you hear this first. Play 24. Well, it was just announced that uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and Vivek Ramaswamy qualified for tomorrow night's fourth Republican presidential debate. And the debate will air on the CW Network and News Nation. So if you want to know how good a chance these candidates have, the debate is airing on the CW Network and News Nation. At this point, watching these debates is like watching a middle school play. It doesn't really matter. You just hope that they're having fun up there. Watching a middle school play, he says. Now, I think that for the people in the audience who are supporting one of those four candidates... And it's roughly, let's call it 40, 50% of the audience. Yeah. That's unfair. They're showing up, and they think that somebody else should be showing up, right? They think that Trump uh, should be showing up for this. But for the people in the audience, which is probably about 50% of the audience who are already all in on Trump, they agree with the assessment that this is like a middle school play, they say that I'm already getting all the, oh, I'm not even going to watch this. I'm not going to see it. I want to see how these politicians do because this is, you know, 
this is the world that we operate in, right? I want to see how they handle themselves, Clay. I mean, this is our job. This is we live, eat, sleep, breathe politics and and current events. But a lot of people I know are saying they're not even going to tune in for this one. Do you think it is too late for this debate to make a meaningful difference in the primary? So I think that there is going to be a race. I don't know how long-lived it's going to be, where it's going to be Trump v. either DeSantis or Haley. Now, I have said on this show that the math to me doesn't add up for Nikki Haley to challenge Donald Trump. Because, look, there's four people left on the stage, right? Uh, and and I, I'm curious if you would agree with my analysis here. Vivek already told us on this show that when he drops out, and it is when, he's not going to be the nominee, when Vivek drops out, and both of us like Vivek, he's been good on the show, he's going to endorse Trump. So whatever percentage that Vivek has, 80% of them, maybe 90, are going to go to Trump, right? When Chris Christie drops out, Chris Christie told us on this program, Buck, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, he said, I'm going to endorse uh, DeSantis or Nikki Haley. So he'll have to make a choice, Chris Christie will, hey, which of these candidates... Uh, has a chance to take on Trump because we know he's not going to endorse Trump. And when I look at it, the only one that can have a head-to-head shot, and I'm not saying the math's going to add up for him, but it's DeSantis. And so if I were sketching out the DeSantis team plan right now, I would say if we get Trump 1v1, maybe he's going to have to debate us then. And if you saw what DeSantis did to Newsom, I thought he eviscerated him. I think DeSantis may be able in a 1v1 to land some blows on Trump, and that would be the success path, right? Nikki Haley's argument, because I think it's either DeSantis or Haley, and you tell me if you sign on to this analysis. Nikki Haley's argument is, I'll bring in moderate voters, I'll bring in independents, I'll even maybe flip some Democrats, and that's how I would beat Trump in the Republican primary because some of these primaries are open and anybody can show up and vote in them. Uh, I voted in the uh, Democrat, I think. I can't remember uh, 100%, but we didn't have a contested uh, part of the uh, Tennessee primary in 2020, and I think I voted in the Democrat side because I wanted to vote against Bernie Sanders, right? I couldn't vote for Trump. I mean, there was no contest. It was already decided. I think I voted against Bernie Sanders. I think I voted in the Democrat primary, actually, for Michael Bloomberg, if I remember correctly. Um, but just there are those opportunities for people to flip over, and I think there could be a chaos factor there. That's the only argument I can see for Nikki Haley, because her voters seem to me to almost all go to DeSantis, whereas I think most DeSantis voters, most, would go to Trump, right? So it's a mathematical equation more than anything else. I also wonder in these at this stage and and from what we've already seen so far does anyone even really remember the policy answers uh, no. and the differences I I think that even people that have watched the debates up to this point very closely would have a hard time except in the most general terms and I'm including myself of this separating these candidates on matters of policy like we know Nikki Haley is the most donor-friendly and, people would say, uh, I think fairly, interventionist and military-industrial-complex-friendly yeah. candidate, right? So she's got different views on that stuff. And more liberal 
on on some of the social issues. We know Vivek is basically Trump policies, right? And and occasionally says something that's a, a little bit a uh, little bit off the wall. Um, you know, like the northern the northern border. You know that we had I we had some Vivek fans write in and be like the northern border wall is a good idea, don't you? And they sent me the numbers and they the numbers were, you know, it's up 200% crossings. Yeah, but it's like a thousand crossings, guys. Like it's not, I mean, it's more than that, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not the southern border at all. Okay. And plus it's 5,000 miles of, uh, of border that you'd have to. That's, actually. that's the, that's the wild thing, right? Like Mexico, we can't get the Mexico wall, wall built because it's too far. U.S. Canada is, I, I mean, you talk about crazy town. The, look at the western border. Like, I, is that what it is? 5,000 miles? I would have thought yes. it was even further than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's about 5,000 miles. So that's, that's a lot of border wall to, uh, to try to police and for very little upside. But anyway, but hey, look, Vivek said a lot of interesting stuff. Um, Chris Christie, I really just think is in this, it's just a Trump vendetta. And yeah. we've said this before. I, I think that he, and, and maybe he thinks that there's some good that he does the country by, in his mind, speaking the truth about Trump, no matter how much it upsets people. But I can't even think of like an idea that Chris Christie is bringing to the debate stage up to this point on policy that is distinct where I said Chris Christie distinguishes himself by saying Donald Trump is a jerk over and over and over again. That's basically yeah. all he does. And he's a coward. He won't debate. Yeah. I mean, Chris Christie's entire campaign is to call out Donald Trump, who he sees as uniquely unfit for office. And that's basically the entire thing. And Ron DeSantis up to this point has just been, look, I think Ron has been, um, and I, I just would say right now, I need the people that say that Clay and I are in the tank for DeSantis to argue online with the people who say Clay and I are in the tank for Trump. <laughs> I want them to fight each other. Okay? Yeah. They, they can they argue. Should, with they each should other. have a real battle. They, they, they should they, have it, a, it would be funny. Battle royale over who gets to say who's in the tank for whom. Um, no, but I, I think Ron DeSantis has shown, uh, that he's, He's very competent. He's very conservative and has, you know, he's, his record in Florida, I would say speaks for itself. But unfortunately, I think the lesson of the DeSantis campaign is when you're talking presidential politics, nothing speaks for itself. You got to speak as in you have to connect. You have to be the one that sells it. Um, and if anything with Ron, I'd say up to this point, pointing at the scoreboard in Florida hasn't been, which is phenomenal. Hasn't been compelling enough for the broader electorate for them to say, I'm going to try him instead of Trump this time. That, that's, I think, been the, the lesson so far. Yeah. And look, I mean, the reality is, and I'm going to sound like Buck Sexton old man here. Mm-hmm. I don't have any idea how to find this show. Like, I, I don't want to sound <laughs> like I'm a super old guy, but like, you ever remember, like, uh, I have to get my kids now to figure out, like, my, my third grader's homesick right now. He's watching Harry Potter downstairs. I don't even know how to get signed into Netflix. I don't know how to get signed into Amazon Prime. Like, my kids have to do it for me. I can't find this new station channel. There should never be, we're talking about entertainment systems here, okay? There should be a rule, rule of thumb. It should never require two controllers. And once you get me to three controllers, like my I, older brother, I think, I hope he's not listening because he's getting mad at me. His system has three controllers. <laughs> and I'm crazy. like, if we have three controllers, why not just have five? You know, why yeah, not just I, have a control? It's crazy. You know, they yeah. moved Thursday night football to Amazon Prime, right? I like to watch uh, Thursday night NFL football. I I don't have any idea how to put it on. I mean, I that, I'm not kidding. I bet there are millions of you out there listening to me right now that have have wanted to watch something. 
and and can't find it. The other thing is, Buck, we have I we subscribe to like every streaming service because I got the kids, I got my wife. Like I don't even know how many streaming services we have. Did I tell you about this? We wanted to watch Scream the other night. I wanted to mm-hmm. play for Halloween Scream, and my wife was like, "Well, why don't you see if it's for free on Amazon and Netflix?" And, uh, and like Apple Play and all this stuff. And I had to log into all of them and I was going to spend like 45 minutes trying to see if I could fl- find and play it for free. It was $3.99, you know, to rent right, like just right this off the is, Comcast thing. Carrie and I have this. This is very funny because this mirrors in this household. I'm like, Hey, I can just buy this for four bucks right now. Let's just do it. And she's like, no, you need to see. Where this may be, like go through all the movie archives available on all your streaming services. Correct. And usually, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm defined. I just, I just pull the trigger on that 3.99. We paid. I was like, man, if I if I can't afford to buy a movie for the whole family for 3.99 right now, I'm gonna spend 45 minutes. I'm gonna be driven insane. Did it, I? I didn't tell you about this. Like we couldn't remember our Amazon Prime password. It was all complicated. We couldn't get. And God knows how much gets ordered in this house from Amazon. And so my wife was like, Hey, what's the password? You need to get into this email address. And I couldn't figure that I couldn't remember the password to get into that email address. And I told her, I was like, just sign up for a new Amazon Prime account. And, and I was like, this, we're going to get in a fight over this and I'm going to end up costing, this is going to cost me way more than $75 or whatever. Eventually we got the Amazon Prime password, but it took me like three hours. I, I and, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is anyway, I'm very anti password and it feels to me. Like, I have to put in passwords to do everything now. Can I tell you one of my more controversial takes since we've kind of gone the debate tonight? We'll talk a little more about it, but you know, we got to see it to really know what's going on. I don't think it's going to I got to figure much. out if I can even find it on my TV, old man well, style. I, but I, I, this thing about updating passwords. Oh, this no, makes no sense. I, I, I know people say, Oh, I'm a cybersecurity. I don't care. Updating passwords may, if your password has not been compromised, there is no reason to update your password. This is the most straightforward thing because everyone just ends up going password one two three four and then password one two three four five and then like no one wants to be updating their password. All it does is make me then have to figure out the old password, figure out what the new one is, and then I'm gonna forget it, Clay, and then I'm gonna write it down somewhere, which is bad security practice, and then yes. my password's written down somewhere, and I don't even know where it is. I, if your password's not compromised, why should you change your password? Also, I think they should tell you when you're putting in your password, hey, we require you to, you know how many times you have to have like an exclamation point or a dollar sign or an at sign or whatever it is for, and I'm just like sitting there losing my mind because I can't remember even what, anyway, this, I am very anti-password. I want to be able to sit down in front of my television screen and I want to be able to easily find everything that is being paid for and I don't want to have to put any passwords. And I think what's going to happen tonight, and I'm going to lose my mind, I'm going to try to find this News Nation thing, and I'm not going to be able to find it, and then I'm just going to go to the holiday party and get drunk. So I'm not sure that I'm going to watch the debate tonight. It's a wow. holiday party. You, it's a holiday you, party. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to go get a couple old fashions. I'm going to wear a holiday sweater. I don't know that I'm going to make it back in time to watch the debate, especially if I can't figure out how to put it on my TV. That, this, so, so we go full circle here to where Jimmy Fallon was saying that it's like watching a middle school play. Clay is telling you it is possible that wearing an ugly sweater and drinking eggnog is more important to him than watching this. I didn't say eggnog. I'm very anti-eggnog. You're anti-eggnog? Oh, I hate eggnog. It's just, it's awful. 
I actually want I actually want to fight with you on this, but I can't because you're right. But I just want I just want people to be outraged at you. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, it's like it's like candy. Corn Very to dense me. in like, calories. Not worth it. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. Doesn't it have like a thousand calories in the eggnog? You don't want to know what. Yeah, it's it's like eighty. I mean, everybody's going to get fat over calories. the holiday season, except for everybody out there on Ozempic or whatever else that stuff that you shoot yourself in the arms with is that everybody's taking now. That you know, that's like the biggest European company now. The one that does Ozempic. Literally the biggest. We go, com- I think Wigovi, I'm is that, is that right? Is it called Wigovi? I think that, or is that I the think drug? one is Wigovi, one is Ozempic, but Novo Nordisk or something like that. It's yes, a Norwegian that's right. it's company. It's like a Swedish company, right? Yeah. It's the biggest company in Europe now because everybody's on this thing. And now they're worried that we're not getting enough snacks. Like we're going to destroy the potato chip industry with these shots that everybody's taking. Anyway, well, everybody's going to be eating nuts. The good enough. news. Clay and Buck are keeping the potato chip industry alive. That's true. I, I, we're, we're doing our part. That's right. We will never give up that fight. Look, I'm going to be at the gun range this weekend. I'm going to be with my brother. It's a lot of fun. Um, got a new suppressor, which is great. And, uh, I'm going to be out there running some drills, getting better at shooting, working on the fundamentals. You know, I'm, I'm just an amateur. I'm trying to get better every time I go. But the good news is I'm not going to show up and feel like I'm totally cold because I've been keeping my skills sharp with the Mantis X system at home. Mantis X is a firearms training system. It's no ammo. It's all electronic, and it lets you improve your shooting accuracy from the comfort of your own home. It attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. So easy to get set up. Once you do, you realize the drills and courses it puts you through are addictive. They're so fun. It's like a game, and you get better at shooting. Trigger pull, sight alignment. Your skills get better so quickly, most people improve, like 90% of people improve within 30 minutes of using it. It's currently being used by U.S. military and special forces, too. It really works. So we're talking military-grade technology at an affordable price. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of emails rolling in. People are fired up about eggnog. They're fired up about Buck saying women can't parallel park. To be fair. Whoa, whoa, whoa. To be, to be fair, most women can't parallel park, but some can. I've told this story before. I've been stopped multiple times on the streets of Washington, D.C., to parallel park cars for women while I was in college. That's how trustworthy I am. Just walking with a backpack on the sidewalk. Multiple times, women stopped their cars, came and said, hey, could you please parallel park my car for me? Nowadays, I mean, they, they got carjackings going on everywhere. I could have driven all over the place in those cars. And this was back in the 90s. Clay was wearing cargo shorts with a puka shell necklace, center part in his hair, <laughs> listed as some Dave Matthews band. That's all true, probably. I don't know that it was cargo shorts. Uh, although I'm not anti-cargo shorts, but I've got a hit. We'll get to the, we'll get to Tom at the end of the hour. Tom is fired up. Of all the things that we have said today in the show, Tom has, how long was this, uh, email that Tom wrote out? You, you got like 800, eight, eight, Tom 800 wrote 200, words. 281 words. Buck, this is going to be great for the end of the hour. He's fired up about my use of whomever, whomst, I'm not using who correctly, according to Tom. And I got to make sure that I'm using this ad correctly. Pure Talk. Pure Talk will hook you up in a big way, uh, just like they take care of my kids. I told this story the other day. Went to watch my seventh grade's basketball game, seventh grader's basketball game. Uh, my tenth grader, he's on the same campus. Campus is not that big. Somehow has no idea where his seventh grade brother is going to be playing basketball. So what does he do? What does he do? He blows me up. He needs to know where to come meet the family so we can watch the seventh grade basketball. I'm on his campus. If you've got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. Things that should be obvious to them often are not obvious. That's why he has a Pure Talk phone so that we can get in touch with him and we can make sure that he ends up where he needs to end up and that he's able to be taken care of the best of our ability. I trust him for my family. You can trust him for yours. They will save you an absolute bundle. Pound 250. Do it today. Pound 250 and you can get a brand new Moto G 5G phone. Pound 250. Welcome back in. You know, last night, uh, our friend Sean Hannity had a town hall with Trump and there's some interesting stuff that, that came up over the course of, of the hour. Um, certainly the audience very fired up for Donald Trump and you can just hear people shouting out throughout the, I, I, I watched last night, obviously, um, shouting out throughout the uh, hour that, you know, they need Trump. We need him back. We need him to get it done. And this came up about whether or not, cause Clay, I, I think I sent this to you. The Atlantic, which is effectively the same thing now as like salon.com or I mean, the Atlantic is very left wing. Um, but they had every story in their most recent issue which has hundreds of subscribers, so not that anyone cares, 
But every story in the most recent, I think it's owned by, uh, Steve Jobs is, I think you're right. Lauren, his, his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so a very rich person runs it. So it'll keep running forever because they're just going to keep operating it at a loss. Cause what we need is more left wing content. That's not very good. Uh, but anyway, the Atlantic had every story was some version of Trump is going to destroy America. Trump is a misogynist. Trump is Hitler, whatever that that's, you see that all, all over the place. And one of the things they often bring up is, is whether or not Trump would be a president of retribution. This is the term you'll hear a lot, right? Is, is he going to come into office and lock? It's interesting. They're trying to lock him up, right? Yes. But they're worried that if he becomes president, then he'll lock all of them up. He was asked this last night. This is cut 15. Play. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Except Look, what? He's going to prison. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill. That's drill, not a that's, drill. That's not, no, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, he keeps, <laughs> we love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies <laughs> when you were president. I mean, I gotta say, I know he's trying to be, he's, he's having some fun there too, but this idea that Trump is going to, if he wins, be this monster, it's just, he's actually a very likable guy. I don't know. It just, it just, you saw this last night and you say to yourself, what kind of delusion are these, are these left wingers living in? I, I understand people who don't like Trump. Personality-wise, you may not like some of the policies that he put in place. I understand that. And you may not like the truths that he put out, the tweets that he put out before that. You might not like the circus-like environment that he creates. The reality show-like environment, which I think it's fair to say the Trump show was a reality show for four years. But the end results of his policies are actually, I think, very positive. And... The idea that Trump is some evil Hitler figure is just the craziest thing that's ever been, I think, constructed in politics. I will guarantee you, there's very few things I would guarantee. I will guarantee that if Donald Trump spent 10 minutes with every single person that is listening to this right now, obviously that's physically impossible, but if he did, I think every single person that spent 10 minutes with him would like him. I mean that. Every single one of you listening on a personal level. Now, you might disagree with him on something or other policy-wise, but in person, I, I've i had the pleasure of meeting Trump now in person, I don't know, six or seven times. Buck, you've met him a lot over the years as well. He's a very likable person. The first time I took my wife to Mar-a-Lago, first time she met Trump, I said, you know, Forget everything that you've seen or heard about Trump. I said, I guarantee that when you meet him face to face, you are really going to like him. He is charming. He's, he's nice. He's, he's witty. He's interesting. Like he's just a good dude, right? Um, and so the whole idea that they've managed to sell again, I'm not talking about policies. I'm talking about, I don't get the sense. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't get the sense that most evil dictators are really fun 
to meet and hang out with. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, to be fair, have never met an evil dictator. Maybe evil dictators are uh, autocrats. Maybe they're incredibly likable in general. I don't think that's usually the case. I don't think most people, because the power trappings of power go so far to, you know, sort of rot a lot of the core, I think, humanity of a lot of people when they become dictators. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's the, that's the one thing on the Trump derangement syndrome I can't ever buy in on just based on having met the guy. This then is my question. When you have someone like, you know, Liz Cheney is saying, she's like, I'm considering running for 2024. And, and you sort of wonder, who is the Liz Cheney constituency in a presidential? No, she doesn't think she's going to be president, right? So, so we're going to go through all of this to get the attention and everything else. But then she says something like this on, on CNN. And I'm going to play, play this soundbite so that everyone can hear. This is cut 11. Um, here, let's, let's start with that. Play cut 11. I think it's naive and a real misreading of what we've lived through to think that we can count on the guardrails that we have in place. Donald Trump tried to seize power in 2020. He, he put in place a, a multi-part plan to ensure that, you know, Joe Biden wasn't going to be certified rightfully as the president of the United States. So he's done it once and, but he knows now, you know, what to do. He's learned the lessons uh, of 2020 and 2021. So I think anybody who says, well, don't worry, you can count on the balance of power and the institutions, that's really wishful thinking that we can't afford. Do you think she really believes that garbage, truly? Or do you think that Liz Cheney, obviously comes from a very connected political family on the right in this country, do you think that she just says this because it's it's all about the grift and the con and whatever she has to say to get rich Democrats to write checks to her is what she's going to say? Yeah, I... I don't know, um, because I don't know Liz Cheney personally. She doesn't strike me as someone who is dumb, right? I mean, there are people in media, we all know a lot of them, who you very are like, well, this person's just not very bright, so you can't even work through the functional way in which they reach their opinions. So when I hear Liz Cheney, as we talked about earlier this week, saying, well, if Donald Trump gets elected, we may not have elections again, I think that she has to know that that's not true. And she has to be willing to say that because she knows that there's a race to hyperbolize the Trump presidency. And you have to say something crazier than the next person in order to be able to be heard. And we saw this. And we talked about it a little bit, that there's virtually no one who ended up in worse position by being anti-Trump. In other words, you know, Schiff is running for Senate. He lied about everything relating to Russia collusion. Um, so many people out there who are the most deranged by Trump are actually rewarded for that derangement. And so I think it incentivizes them to be crazier. And in the same way that the Manhattan Project, you bring all the most brilliant minds together, you create this brand new scientific colossus, the atomic bomb, I think the Trump derangement syndrome is the opposite of that, right? You bring all these people together who are convinced that Trump is the worst threat to American democracy ever, and then they have to take it to ridiculous levels of hyperbole in order to stand out among the anti-Trump contingent, which is how you end up with Michael Beschelos, who I think is a smart guy. I mean, he's obviously a historian. He's a talented writer. He's had best-selling books. For him to be saying, oh, if 
Republicans win the election, we're going to have firing squads and we may not have elections. I think that's how outlandish you have to be in order to get attention for being anti-Trump. And some stuff just gets normalized, associated with that. Like saying we're not going to have elections, which I, again, we said on this show, we'll bet a million dollars to Liz Cheney that are creative and sentimental. They get extra points. Now, I bet a lot of you going to go out on a limb. I bet some of y'all are given some really bad gifts. I'll raise my hand. I'm not the greatest gift giver. I told you yesterday my third grader is homesick right now, sitting around watching Harry Potter. He told me he's got the best gift ever for me. I asked him what it was. said, oh, no, I can't tell you yet, Dad. You're going to have to open up that package. You ever open up a package and either have to lie and pretend you like the gift, or you saw someone open up the gift and you're like, well, swung and missed on that one. I bet every single person listening right now has been in that experience at some point during the holidays. Some of you out there right now, you just throw up your hand and say, I'm done with this. I, you know, I'm deputizing other people to make gifts, but go buy gifts. You know who buys gifts in the Travis household? My wife. I got no idea what we're giving anybody. I'm just as interested as everybody else when they're opening up the wrapping paper. I got no idea what's in there either. Sometimes they're designated gift givers. What if you could blow your family's mind and have the perfect gift for a ton of different people? I've got it for you. It's a legacy box. You can digitize all of your family's memories. You can get all the old pictures, all the old VHS tapes. You can be the hero of your family. You out there listening to me right now who usually totally bomb every Christmas. You either don't buy gifts or the gifts you buy end up being somehow the wrong one. This is the right one. Trust me. Legacybox.com. You're preserving your family's memories forever. Legacybox.com slash clay. This is the gift that will truly keep on giving for years and years to come because you are preserving your family's memories for generations to come. Digitized, 60% off right now, $9 for a VHS tape that gets put on a digital file, 60% off, $0.07 cents for each picture. You're going to get hooked up. You're going to love it. Legacybox.com slash Clay. That's Legacybox.com slash Clay. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in uh, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are rolling through the Wednesday edition of the program. Had to make sure I got the day there right. And a lot of you reacting to a variety of different topics. What do you think about the Republican fourth uh, debate tonight? What do you think about whether you could land a plane? Is Buck right that women cannot parallel park? I mean, just a lot of different things that people are reacting to. But I wanted to make sure this is a 281-word email of all the things that you could take issue with in today's program so far. And to be fair, there have been a wide variety of opinions on virtually everything under the sun. Tom has written in. Not to judge Tom, but he still has an AOL email address. Maybe there's lots of people out there who still have AOL email addresses. I'm probably going to get deluged by AOL email address people now. But here is what Tom had to say. Clay, you've invariably used whomever objective as opposed to whoever nominative, irrespective of which of the two is grammatically correct. Whomever is not necessarily correct just because it, I mean, my head is already ro- rolling back in my head. Here's the deal. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so ashamed for you, really. I am very anti the word whom. I think it shouldn't exist. I think there are some words that we are trying to be fancy and show off with. I think we should say who all the time. I, I think it's like, you know, who is that going to be there? Who called? I'm only going to use the word who. I'm ne- you're never going to hear me say whomst. You're, and, and so probably if you are a diehard advocate of the word who and its derivative properties, you should know that I don't buy into what you're selling. I am so when, anti when, when you were playing sports in, uh, in, in elementary school, you didn't do two, four, six, eight. Whom do we appreciate? <laughs> No, we de- we definitely didn't say whom do we appreciate. Is that the way it should be? Uh, I went to school in Tennessee, Buck. The, the word whom is not used widely in the state we, of Tennessee. We were corrected at my school and told to say whom do we appreciate. I'm not even sure that's right. Oh, yeah, it definitely was who do we appreciate. The cheerleaders. I used to think that cheerleaders all had new, uh back in high school, that the cheerleaders all had new uh cheers. And then if you watch Hoosiers, 
which is maybe the greatest sports movie ever made up in the top five. They all do the same cheers in like 1950s Indiana that everybody still does in 2020s America. I, I, you know, I never went to an institution that had cheerleaders ever, ever. And, and I just feel like I don't even know if I'm American. It's just, were there girls at your school or did you go to an all boys uh, school? Well, I went to an all boys high school and I went to a co-ed college and there were no cheerleaders at my college either. It's very sad. Yeah. Well, that is. Don't, don't go crushing, to a cold, honestly. a cold, small school in the middle of nowhere in the Northeast, folks. This is the moral of the story. You, they make a lot of poor choices. I don't know why anyone would be anti-cheerleader. Um, I know that they're trying to phase out cheerleaders at some of the woke institutions. And to be fair, there are also not a lot of good look. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think a lot of the schools that don't have cheerleaders, I don't think they have a lot of good-looking women. So maybe, maybe it's just a default acknowledgement that they don't want to be putting people in the cheerleading capacity who really shouldn't be cheerleaders. I don't know. I, I, is this, is this going to get me in trouble? Is it going to be like uh, Victoria's Secret when I said that, you know, androgynous fat chicks don't sell lingerie very well? I think unattractive cheerleaders don't sell the cheerleading profession well. Strong take? I don't know. I, I, I defer to your expertise in this I think, matter. I think I would bet that's why Amherst doesn't have, uh, doesn't have cheerleaders. So you have no, you know, they used to have male cheerleaders. You ever seen the yell leaders at like Texas A&M? All male? Uh, I, I am, uh, there was a show that had the male and the female cheerleaders for college. Yeah, well most, most colleges still have male, female cheerleaders, but they used to because Texas A&M was all male. The yell leaders was one, I think Trent Lott was a, uh, was a cheerleader back in the day at Old Miss. I think, uh, former governor Rick Perry was a yell leader at, uh, at, um, at Texas A&M, a lot of these schools that only had male students, the male cheerleader was was a very aspired for position. I don't know that that's still true today. I don't think there are a lot of people running around. I know the yell leaders are going to get blown up now by Texas A&M people. In Wait, general, I don't think most men want to be cheerleaders. Wait, a Yale leader? What? Yell? Yeah. Y e l l. Oh, like sorry. yeah. Yell? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not Yale University. Yell leaders. Okay. Yeah, they lead the cheers because there are specific body movements required during the course of certain cheers that, you know, the Aggie Corps of Cadets historically would have been involved in. And they have cheer yell leading practice the night before at like midnight at, uh, at the stadium, which is really a very fun event to go to. It's wacky. It's wonky. It's very fun. And, uh, if you haven't ever been to College Station, go to the game, which is fun, but the night before yell practice is very, very cool. They actually practice all the cheers. Did you see, Clay, that Joe Biden has admitted that the only reason basically he's running is because somebody else is running? You see yes, this? I saw that. Do you believe it? I think that's something we should discuss. Yeah, I'm not sure if I buy it, but I think it definitely gives credence to his thought processes for why he is deciding to run. To extent they make any logical sense at all. Last hour, up next, we'll break down everything, debate, and Biden saying why he's running. Next. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.